Galatians 1, verse 6 to 10. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel under the than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me pray before Johnny comes. Uh, thank you for the reading of your word, Father. Um, thank you that your word is true and speaks um, today. And I pray that you um, speak through Johnny um, as um, you've called him um, and that you would speak to our hearts. May, may our hearts be soft um, and ready to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In recent years, there's been an explosion of fake news and conspiracy theories spreading like wildfire across our phones and our laptops and our computers and indeed across the world. Uh, so many articles and uh, posts and blogs and videos that uh, go viral and claim so many things. And it can be hard, can't it, to know the truth from the lies. It can be hard to know what is reality from what is fiction, what's made up. Where are facts and where are opinions? Even uh, this week, as, as war broke out in Ukraine, I, I saw in the news that there's been fake news spreading uh, even around that. So the thing is, is that now everyone and anyone has a platform and an opportunity to get their message or, or their perspective out there. And uh, in the past, there used to be a bit more control about how stuff got public. And you could debate the good and the bad of this, and I'm sure we'd all have different views, but the really important thing for all of us is that we know how to navigate that, uh, that kind of situation. That you can't just believe necessarily everything uh, that you hear straight away. How can we test authenticity and truth? How can we work out what sources we trust? Test what we hear. How can we be discerning and careful? Listen, this isn't just a thing in the world in general, though it is, it's a spiritual reality for us too. There's lots circulating in the world and around the internet and amongst your family and your friends that spiritually speaking is fake news. And too often as Christians, we're not equipped and we're not confident to spot it and to discern the fake from the true, the authentic from the forgeries. We don't often know the difference between what will bring uh, life from what will bring death to our souls. Now listen, it's not just a modern struggle. The Galatians, when this was written, the words we just had read, were finding that hard too. You see, they had, they had received and they had accepted uh, Paul, who's writing this, message, uh, this letter, his message, but then he had gone away from them after some time with them and preaching and teaching them, uh, and once he had gone away, they'd been thrown into confusion by another message that had come from these other teachers who they started to listen to. And it was causing a right mess, and Paul was greatly concerned by this. So in verse 6, he says, I am uh, astonished. I am speechless. I'm amazed that so quickly, perhaps within a few months, certainly within just a short few years, 
So quickly you're turning away from Christ and to a different gospel. You're all mixed up. And so Paul just jumped straight in to address this. Normally when he writes letters, if you're familiar, there'll be like some encouragement, some prayers, some other stuff. But none of that here, none of those pleasantries. His spirit is stirred and his loving concern just overflows in this direct and this strong language to these Christians, calling them back to Christ. Now, now these verses, verses 6 to 10 of chapter 1, you can basically cut them down the middle and they fall open into two halves before you. On one side, you have the good news of Christ and his grace, what Paul calls the gospel. And then on the other side, it just opens up with this other message, this other gospel, which is no good news at all. Essentially, we could call it fake news. And so Paul is writing to help them to distinguish the the true from the fake and to clear up their confusion and to call them back to the freedom and the life that they have in the good news of Christ. Now, I hear a fair bit of confusion from people around this church around what Christianity is, around what the gospel is, around what it means to, and, and looks like to be a Christian. What is the good news actually after all? Now, listen, you don't have to be some kind of theological whiz or just this really clever person to get it. It's, in fact, so outrageously simple Often it's the cleverer types that find it harder to accept. What this text does is it helps us clear up some of that confusion that we might have. It calls us back to Christ and and it helps us to develop the right kind of convictions around truth and, 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 and lies, basically, and fake. Truth and falsehood. As well as fueling a loving concern for the protection and safety of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, there's, there's two things, there's two ways I want to uh, see this. And the first one is this, it's uh, an encouragement to receive the good news of grace in Christ. You know, the way that the experts spot fakes or forgeries like banknotes or, or, or something, as I understand it, is by knowing the real thing really well, so that when something isn't the real thing, you, can, you, you spot it, you just kind of, you've got that sense, you can see the subtle differences. And so Paul is writing to warn the Galatians, and indeed to warn us, of these false gospels, and so he wants to remind us, this is the good news, you need to know that really well, and then you can spot where stuff is different to that. This is the good news you've received, and, and that's what gospel means, it means good news. It's a bit like, um, gospel is a bit like a, a press conference from number 10, okay, that, that, that declares that all COVID restrictions are gone. Now, I know that's probably a bit more controversial because some of us might think, not think that's a good thing, but, but run with me on this. And, and, and this week, it's kind of paled into insignificance, hasn't it, really, of everything that's happened. But if you think back to last spring, this time last year, where, when, uh, when Boris came up and kind of announced that roadmap out of lockdown and out of COVID and all of the promises, it was just this massive lift, wasn't it? There's, there was this hope and this expectation. Life that's been so shaped and so restricted uh, by, 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 by these things that have been kind of over us, we're suddenly told they're gone. Well, that's gospel. That's good news. It's good news that impacts the whole of life and completely reshapes it. Listen, it's it's obviously much bigger and better than than some COVID restrictions going. It's more like, in fact, if you think of the people in Ukraine this week, who this week have heard the news that they're in war. What about the day that comes if they hear the good news? War is over. Your enemies are defeated. Life is different now. Life is free. Now that's, a, that's a news briefing that we would tune into, isn't it? So, so for the Christian, 
this good news, uh, Paul calls it in verse 7, the gospel of Christ. The good news of Jesus. Who he is, what he's done, what he's now doing, what he will one day do. And he writes to remind them of this good news of Jesus so that they won't forget it and they won't neglect it. You see, many of us know it, but it's worth remembering that the gospel is not just the start of the Christian life, but it's the beating heart of the Christian life. And so much of Paul's ministry, and indeed so much of church life and gospel ministry, so much of preaching on a Sunday and and gospel families and discipleship friendships and cell groups and stuff that we have in church, so much of it is reminding one another as Christians of the good news of Christ into our particular situation. So much of it is seeing together how Christ reshapes my life and what I'm facing and what I'm going through and and how he applies into that situation. What, What difference does Christ make here for me? What can I know of and trust of what he is doing here? How am I experiencing his grace now? The good news of Christ is the beating heart of the Christian life. Our job is to help one another stay on beat with that discover it and then live out of it. You might say, well, why, why is this such good news? Well, the substance, the heart of this message is that it's all about the grace of Christ. Verse 6, Paul writes that, that these Christians, that all, indeed all Christians, are being called to live in the grace of Christ. Now that's very good for two reasons. One is because it starts from outside of us. God the Father calls us by name into this new state of being. This is the good news that it's God's initiative and he calls us. I don't know if, uh, if someone's ever done it to you or you've done it to a friend, but it's super awkward if you call someone on their phone and, uh, and they say hi and you're like, hi? And then you're silent. And they're just like, oh, hold on, you called me, what do you want? You got a question? You said, How was that? You're like, yeah, hi, what do you want? And they're just like, what are you doing? It's it's so annoying, right? Well, when you call someone, you're starting a conversation, aren't you? You've got a reason. You've got an agenda. You've got a purpose. You've got something you want to do. And so so you take the initiative. There's something you want to achieve. Listen, if you're a Christian, God has called you by name. He's got an agenda. He's got a purpose. He takes the initiative. He has something he wants to achieve. He calls you to live in the grace of Christ. Elsewhere, Paul writes that God calls us to belong to Jesus and to be his holy people. See, this is the second reason it's really good, not just because God calls us, he takes initiative, but because he calls us into this new state of being, of living in the grace of Christ. And you, you could say this, that we're called by the grace of Christ or we're called in the grace of Christ. But I, I just love the way that, that, that this puts it. We're called to live in the grace of Christ because it really helps us grasp something incredible for the Christian. And that is that Christ's grace is now where you live. That is your address. That is your home. That is the place of your life and your existence. It is Christ's grace. And we thought about his grace last week, didn't we? His grace is God's favour when we deserve his judgement. It's God's kindness when we deserve his punishment. It's God's riches when we are spiritually bankrupt and don't have a penny to our name, spiritually speaking. It's God's life when we landed ourselves in death. All of that given completely freely to you. You don't pay a dime for it. Christ pays for it by his life and his death and his resurrection. We receive it by faith. 
Grace is good for the bad. And so you see, for the Christian, that's the air that we breathe. It's, it's there when you wake up in the morning, and, it, and it's still your reality when you lay your head down to sleep at night. Whatever place you go, you are in the grace of Christ. Whatever you do, whether it's good or it's bad, you are those who are in the grace of, uh, grace of Christ. It hems us in. It's around us. It's the defining reality for the Christian. Now listen, this is the good news. This is the great news of Christianity. The riches of God freely given to us at the expense of Christ. You're called by God. It is given by God and it is received by us with nothing we give to the deal. Nothing we could do to earn it. Nothing we could do to achieve it. Nothing, therefore, we can do to keep it. This is the freedom of the gospel. Paul writes to these Christians, he says, don't move out of that place. Don't try and move out of that house. What better address could you ever hope to live at? Who else is offering that kind of life? Listen, if you seriously know of anyone who is making this kind of claim, who is offering this in the world, I want to hear. I'm all ears. This is what Christ offers and this is what he gives. I haven't heard it anywhere else. And see, so this is this gospel, this good news that Paul and his friends preached to Galatians, verse 8. And it's the great news, verse 9, that the Galatians accepted and received. They'd never heard anything like it before. To them, it sounded like something out of this world. You, you mean the God of all things, the God who rules over all, loves me? And he's done everything that is necessary for me to to, to deal with all my failings and all my sins and all the problems in my life and to restore me to a relationship with him and to, to, to give me the life that he's designed for me in life as it should be? You mean I can be free from my past? Both what I've done and what others have done to me? My, my sin and shame don't need to define me and control me anymore? You mean I don't need to do anything to achieve that or to earn it or to be good enough for it? All I need to do is believe? I'm in. Yes, please. God called them. They saw it was God calling on the phone and they picked up and they answered. That's it. That's what becoming a Christian is. It's accepting his call. That's how you become a Christian. You take God at his word. You believe his promise. You you say yes to what he offers you in Christ. Yeah, I'm in on that. I'll have that. Thank you. I'm not sure if I'm going to grab it with both hands. Now, here's the thing about this gospel. There's lots of things about it, but the thing I want to think about now is it just sounds super simple, doesn't it? It's not very, it's not very impressive. It's, it's not that complex. I can explain it to my four-year-old child. You think, well, what about the rules that I've got to keep or, or the stuff I've got to learn and, and, you know, I need to pass some kind of test of what I understand before I can really be in and I can really be part of the gang or... or you know, what do I need to do to be really in with God? Surely there's more to it than that. Surely it can't be that simple and that easy and that free. Well, yes, it is. God loves you. He's given Christ for you because of your sins. And by accepting what he's done and who he is, you've got it. You have it. See, 
Paul's gospel isn't really about pleasing people. It's not a people-pleasing message. It doesn't, doesn't massage our egos or it doesn't build us up in empowerment and, you know, you can do it and you can be great and you can, you can be strong. And, and actually, it's kind of the opposite, isn't it? The cross is a very low, a very low door of entry. It, it forces us all to kind of stoop down in our spirit to come in as we're confronted with our own failure and our sin that we needed to be saved from. This message humbles us. It forces us to acknowledge there's nothing in my hands that I bring, yet simply to your cross I cling. And so there's something very foolish about this message. It's a bit stupid, in fact. It doesn't please people, this gospel of Christ. In fact, Paul's going to say later in the letter, it's offensive to us. The cross is offensive. But he's okay with that. Because he's a servant of Christ. He's been sent by Christ. His ministry, his message, his life is shaped by him and he does it for the approval of God alone. So as he writes to defend this message and try to keep the Galatians safe, he does it caring about what God thinks and not so much what others think for that was what it means for him to be a servant of Christ. You see, this is good news. When the domain of your existence is the grace of Christ, when that's the defining reality for your life, that is good news. What Paul writes to say, and what I want to say to us today, is don't move away from that. Don't don't let that go. Don't get confused or make it more complex than it is. Don't be fooled by the teaching of some others that doesn't line up with this good news that has once for all been revealed and handed down to us. There really is only one gospel. But the problem is, there are perversions of this gospel that are circulating around us and they sound so good and they're from really impressive teachers and they're from people who preach in the church and Christians can get sucked in. You see, God's word says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light and people gather around them a great number of teachers to say what they're itching ears want to hear, and they turn their ears away from the truth and aside to these myths. And so Paul says, look, this is the good news. This is the gospel. Don't, don't let go of that. But also, I want to be clear about what these other things are so you can reject, uh, so you can spot and reject these fakes. Here's the second thing, if you can see it. Reject the fake news of all other gospels. Receive the good news of grace in Christ and reject the fake news of all other gospels. Verses 6 and 7, Paul writes saying, the Galatians have turned to this other gospel, which really is no gospel at all. See, this different message has come in and it's causing them to leave um, the, the gospel of Christ behind. But he's saying, look, that isn't, this gospel isn't really good news. It's, it's not really a gospel, it's bad news for you. It lacks the power to save. It leads to death and not life. And here's the really dangerous thing. It looks and sounds the same. It's very similar. It's very compelling. So, so the untrained eye and the untaught ear may think that you're getting the pure grace of Christ, but actually it turns out it's diluted and in a deadly way. 
just going to give a, a visual image. I could do it with water anyway, so that's um, going to suit me. Who else wants a drink of water? You know what? I thought you'd be the one who would volunteer. So, um, okay, here you go. Right. Okay, this is, this is good stuff. This is pure water, and um, it's good for you. It brings life, and uh, Johnny said he wants some, so... That, that would be a, a sad ending to, uh, to this illustration. Um, I mean, that, that still looks like a pretty good clear glass of water, doesn't it? That's pretty pure. You still want some? No, you're not so interested. Now, we actually, really, you need to help me not forget which one is which, okay? <laughs> um, so that, that, that is now your responsibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a silly illustration, isn't it? But look, it looks the same. It looks like it's going to be good. You know, some water. It's going to refresh me. It's going to nourish me. It's going to bring life. And, and I only added one small ingredient. You know, Johnny, I only put a little bit of the bleach in. So, like, the rest of it is still the pure water. Why have you got, you know, what's the problem with that? It's just a, it's just a little thing mixed in. But Johnny knows that is now deadly. See, that's what happens when you preach another gospel, which is a perversion of the gospel of Christ. It's no gospel at all. It's no good news. It's now deadly. When, when something that is pure, something that is good, something that is, that is perfect, as the good news of the grace in Christ, you mix it with anything else, you add anything else into that, it compromises the whole. And yes, it looks like a glass of water. In fact, if someone walked into the room now and they hadn't seen me do that, and I offered them a glass of water, they may take it, and neck it, and it would be greatly to their detriment, wouldn't it? See, the best lies often sound closest to the truth. They look good, they sound good, they sound the same, they use the right words, but it is fake news, it is anti-gospel. It's not an outright rejection of Christianity, but it claims to be the real deal, but it's a perversion of it. There's something else added and something else mixed in. And so the Galatians are thrown into confusion and Paul is all worked up. He says, don't you realise they've mixed bleach in with the water? Stop drinking it. Don't you see what they've done? Come to your senses. That stuff is deadly. Now what is this perversion of the gospel that of the gospel of Christ that Paul says is so spiritually deadly. It's not explained in detail in, in this little passage we've read. We're going to go on and address it much more clearly and fully as we, as we work through the letter. It's coming up. But, but in essence, it's this. It's a message of grace plus something. So it's the grace of Christ plus something else. You, you add something to the purity of the grace of Christ, but actually that thing ruins it, like the bleach ruins the water. Yes, it's still about Christ. Yes, it's about his work. Yes, we'll talk about the cross, and we'll call it Christian and whatever else, but you've got to add in your own good work or effort in some way. Back then they were forcing, these teachers were forcing these Galatians who, who weren't Jewish to adopt all of the customs and the practices uh, of the Jewish heritage people and the Jewish law, most notably circumcision. So they were teaching that, listen, your acceptance and your assurance of being accepted and being a Christian depended on doing these certain other things. And, and so what happens, if you think about it, if, if, if the gospel of grace is what we've described it as, then the good news is completely reversed, isn't it, when you do that? 
It's a simple and seemingly small change, but it turns the glass of water into a deadly one, turns the drink absolutely fatal. Because a gospel that uh, the grace of Christ has nothing to do with me saving myself, with me being good enough, with me bringing something or impressing in any way or doing something to deserve it. It's all about Christ. You add in even a little bit of me having to do something, or suddenly we've reversed it altogether because suddenly there's something I've got to do or a standard I've got to meet or something I've got to achieve. It flips it on its head and makes it an altogether different message. Listen, this wasn't just a problem for the Galatians back in the day, but it won't surprise you to hear that today there are perversions of the gospel of Christ that are very, very common around us, even in the church. And it is vital for us to be on our guard against them so that we are kept safe spiritually. We don't leave our home and we don't leave our life in the grace of Christ. Well, just like for the Galatians, these fake news gospels, they have a lot of traction. They have a lot of popularity. The teachers sound mighty impressive. They're very good at what they do. They're very successful. And it feels like much is to be gained by them. But ultimately, the water is poisoned. They don't bring the life that they promise. When people today are taught that they have to do something, like getting baptised in order to get into this state of, of grace in Christ, and then they have to keep themselves in that state of grace uh, of Christ by, by their own religious observance of rituals, such as Eucharist and confession, there's this stuff you've got to do added to Christ, well, it's no longer the good news of the grace of Christ. When preachers on TV promise all of the riches of God, if only you will name it and and claim it, or you can have healing from disease uh, ravaging your body, if only you have big enough faith or attend the right healing rallies or or give enough money to the right ministries, or or, or if you will overcome that secret sin that has long beset you, then you'll be set free to life to the full. There's something you've got to do, something you've got to achieve in order to get the fullness of life in Christ. Or or then there's those churches and those religious cultures that are deeply, deeply serious and so committed to holy living that they end end up adding on a whole load of other stuff, all of these kind of cultural markers and expectations of the ways that people must act, the ways that people must dress and speak and present themselves. None of it about heart change and the gospel really transforming us and living in line with the gospel, but all of these external markers of conformity made by people. There's someone that you've got to be that is more than being like Christ. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, as you received Christ, continue in him. Stay in him. Be strengthened and built up in him. Don't turn aside to these false gospels, to this fake news. Living in the grace of Christ means not letting anyone or anything add to and so detract from him. His grace that is freely given. It's it's, it's worth asking the question, why Christians are taken in by these other messages that are such a downgrade on the gospel? You might be thinking that. I think it's because of this. These perversions of the gospel, they are all about pleasing people. 
It's a message that sounds so good. It's what itching ears want to hear. In fact, it's what we want to hear. Who doesn't want to think that they can bring some goodness to contribute to save themselves? Who doesn't want to believe that that healing power is just within their grasp if if only they have enough faith to, to lay hold of it? Who doesn't want to fit in with people we respect and love so much around us and and what they're asking and expecting of us? In various ways, these gospels, these other gospels sound so good and so true and so have such power. And so Paul writes to the Galatians very strongly, but out of loving concern, out of care and compassion. His warning here, though it's strong, it's a function of love, you know, Imagine you, you, you've got a, your child or you're looking after someone's child or something and, and, and they're running headfirst towards a fire. You're going to shout out, no, stop. You might even grab them strongly to stop them, to keep them from harm. As the Galatians are led into confusion over the gospel of Christ, you see, actually, Paul says, they are deserting the one who called them. They're turning away from the God who made them, who loves them, who called them by name. So Paul isn't writing here. He's not like the theological police. Look, you haven't dotted your theological T's or, no, dotted your theological I's and crossed your doctrinal T's. You know, he's not kind of correcting them on some kind of minor points of nuance or, you know, whatever else. Like, guys, you're turning away from the God who made you, who loves you, who saved you, has freedom and life for you in Christ. And so I'm writing with passion and concern to call you back. The way that you might write to a spouse who had deserted their good and faithful partner. Listen, it's better at home for you. Come back. So with with, with the Christians, his tone is one of grace and compassion. With the teachers who are spreading this stuff, well, he's got a much stronger tone, hasn't he? Let's just put it that way. Because this is a matter of spiritual life and death. This matters whether people hear and whether they believe good news or or fake news, which is no good news at all. We're going to see as this letter goes on, these teachers, they're motivated by people-pleasing. They're motivated by getting a big crowd and getting a big following and influence and the power they get, the name they can build for themselves, the approval they can win of people. They're not ultimately concerned with Christ. And so Paul writes to strongly oppose them and their ministries. You know, to those of us who teach in whatever format or context uh, we do it, this is a warning to be attentive to our gospel. Is the news we present to people good news? What are our motives in our teaching and in our opportunity? What are we saying and why? It is a serious thing to teach another gospel and to throw people into confusion. Paul 1, verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven, or verse 9, anybody should preach a different gospel, let them be under God's curse. You can say it much stronger. However powerful and influential these teachers are, however religious they seem, however rich and famous, however genuine they come across, however many social media followers they have and whatever influence they have, if anyone, if even an angel from heaven preaches a gospel other than the good news of grace in Christ, let them be under God's curse. Don't listen to them. Do not believe them. 
We could go as far to say if I or if any other teacher in this church teaches a gospel other than the good news of grace in Christ, then take me down. For it is a matter of eternal life and death. This is not to be messed around with. The authority is never in the one who is teaching, but in the message itself. Listen, guys, Paul writes strongly, and I've tried to speak plainly because I feel the eternal weight of these things, and we don't want to mess around in these realities. People's eternal lives hang in the balance. My hope and prayer for us as a church is that we will so know the gospel, so love the Christ of the gospel, that we'll sniff out those perversions from a mile away. We'll smell the stench of them. And we'll reject them. And we will run for our lives. And we'll maybe have to push people away for our lives and for the good of the lives of those around us. We need to learn how to navigate this world of fake news as well as good news. And that requires discernment and courage. I pray that God would give it to us and that he would bless us with a gospel clarity and with gospel hearts that are equipped that we might stand firm together in Christ. Not let anyone come and steal that from us or lead us astray. Let's pray that together to close. Christ, your grace, your life, your forgiveness, your love, your goodness is just so amazing. Such great news that we have in you. Keep us believing that. Keep us knowing it to be true. Help us to know where we might be tempted to turn aside to these kind of other gospels, which are not gospels at all. And so be glorified in our lives. Help us to be our brother's and sister's keeper. Help us to watch out and care for one another. Help us to learn to apply the good news of Christ into the situations of our lives. And Lord, would you keep us so that we never desert the one who has called us by name. Pray it for our good and for your glory. Amen.